Chapter Three of Zastrozzi, a Romance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Zastrozzi, a Romance by Percy Bysshe Shelley. Chapter Three. Zastrozzi and Ugo proceeded along the heath on the skirts of which stood the cottage. Verezzi leaned against the casement when a low voice, which floated in indistinct murmurs on the silence of the evening, reached his ear. He listened attentively. He looked into the darkness and saw the towering form of Zastrozzi and ugo whose awkward ruffian-like gait could never be mistaken he could not hear their discourse except a few detached words which reached his ears they seemed to be denunciations of anger a low tone afterwards succeeded and it appeared as if a dispute which had arisen between them was settled their voices at last died away in distance. Bernardo now left the room. Bianca entered, but Verezzi plainly heard Bernardo lingering at the door. The old woman continued sitting in silence at a remote corner of the chamber. It was Verezzi's hour for supper. He desired Bianca to bring it. She obeyed and brought some dried raisins in a plate. He was surprised to see a knife was likewise brought, an indulgence he imputed to the inadvertency of the old woman. A thought started across his mind. It was now time to escape. He seized the knife. He looked expressively at the old woman. She trembled. He advanced from the casement to the door. He called for Bernardo. Bernardo entered, and Verezzi, lifting his arm high, aimed the knife at the villain's heart. Bernardo started aside, and the knife was fixed firmly in the door-case. Verezzi attempted by one effort to extricate it. The effort was vain. Bianca, as fast as her tottering limbs could carry her, hastened through the opposite door, calling loudly for Zastrozzi. Verezzi attempted to rush through the open door, but Bernardo opposed himself to it. A long and violent contest ensued, and Bernardo's superior strength was on the point of overcoming Verezzi, when the latter, by a dexterous blow, precipitated him down the steep and narrow staircase. Not waiting to see the event of his victory, he rushed through the opposite door, and, meeting with no opposition, ran swiftly across the heath. The moon, in tranquil majesty, hung high in air, and showed the immense extent of the plain before him. He continued rapidly advancing, and the cottage was soon out of sight. He thought he heard Zastrozzi's voice in every gale. Turning round, 
he thought Zastrozzi's eye glanced over his shoulder. But even had Bianca taken the right road and found Zastrozzi, Verezzi's speed would have mocked pursuit. He ran several miles. Still the dreary extent of the heath was before him. No cottage yet appeared where he might take shelter. He cast himself for an instant on the bank of a rivulet, which stole slowly across the heath. The moonbeam played upon its surface. He started at his own reflected image. He thought that voices were wafted on the western gale, and nerved anew pursued his course across the plain. The moon had gained the zenith before Verezzi rested again. Two pine-trees of extraordinary size stood on a small eminence. He climbed one and found a convenient seat in its immense branches. Fatigued, he sank to sleep. Two hours he lay hushed in oblivion when he was awakened by a noise. It is but the hooting of the night-raven, thought he. Day had not yet appeared, but faint streaks in the east presaged the coming morn. Verezzi heard the clattering of hoofs. What was his horror to see that Bernardo and Ugo were the horsemen? Overcome by terror, he clung to the rugged branch. His persecutors advanced to the spot. They stopped under the tree wherein he was. "'Eternal curses!' exclaimed Zastrozzi, upon Verezzi. "'I swear never to rest until I find him, and then I will accomplish the purpose of my soul.' But come, Ugo, Bernardo, let us proceed. Signor, said Ugo, let us the rather stop here to refresh ourselves and our horses. You, perhaps, will not make this pine your couch, but I will get up, for I think I spy an excellent bed above there. No, no, answered Zastrozzi did not i resolve never to rest until i had found verezzi mount villain or die ugo sullenly obeyed they galloped off and were quickly out of sight verezzi returned thanks to heaven for his escape for he thought that ugo's eye as the villain pointed to the branch where he reposed met his it was now morning. Verezzi surveyed the heath, and thought he saw buildings at a distance. Could he gain a town or city, he might defy Zastrozzi's power. He descended the pine-tree, and advanced as quickly as he could towards the distant buildings. He proceeded across the heath for half an hour and perceived that at last he had arrived at its termination. The country assumed a new aspect, and the number of cottages and villas showed him that he was in the neighbourhood of some city. A large road which he now entered confirmed his opinion. 
he saw two peasants and asked them where the road led to passau was the answer it was yet very early in the morning when he walked through the principal street of passau he felt very faint with his recent and unusual exertions and overcome by languor sank on some lofty stone steps which led to a magnificent mansion and resting his head on his arms soon fell asleep he had been there nearly an hour when he was awakened by an old woman she had a basket on her arm in which were flowers which it was her custom to bring to passau every market-day hardly knowing where he was he answered the old woman's inquiries in a vague and unsatisfactory manner by degrees however they became better acquainted and as verezzi had no money nor any means of procuring it he accepted of an offer which claudine for that was the old woman's name made him to work for her and share her cottage which together with a little garden was all she could call her own claudine quickly disposed of her flowers and accompanied by verezzi soon arrived at a little cottage near passau it was situated on a pleasant and cultivated spot at the foot of a small eminence on which it was situated flowed the majestic danube and on the opposite side was a forest belonging to the baron of schwepper whose vassal claudine was her little cottage was kept extremely neat and by the charity of the baron wanted none of those little comforts which old age requires verezzi thought that in so retired a spot he might at least pass his time tranquilly and elude sastrozzi what induced you said he to claudine as in the evening they sat before the cottage door what induced you to make that offer this morning to me ah said the old woman it was but last week that i lost my dear son who was everything to me he died by a fever which he caught by his too great exertions in obtaining a livelihood for me and i came to the market yesterday for the first time since my son's death hoping to find some peasant who would fill his place when chance threw you in my way i had hoped that he would have outlived me as i am quickly hastening to the grave to which i look forward as to the coming of a friend who would relieve me from those cares which alas but increase with my years verezzi's heart was touched with compassion for the forlorn situation of claudine he tenderly told her that he would not forsake her but if any opportunity occurred for ameliorating her situation she should no longer continue in poverty End of chapter three. Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.